They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's alive. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that's never faced an extinction level event. But if we did, we'd want Billy Bob Thornton to deliver the news. This is Hysteria 51. What kind of damage are we? Damage? Total, sir. It's what we call a global killer. The end of mankind. We are broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. We're your hosts and investigators on this exploration of existential risk. I'm John Goforth, and this is Brent Hand. We're all going to die. I can't. I can't tell you enough. We're all going to die. Well, that's that's true. Though I suppose this is news. <laughs> but do you know we might die as a result of a super volcano in the uh, Yellowstone National Park, John? I thought it was. I thought we would call that Jellystone. Hey, hey, boo boo. That's a real place. Jellystone. It's in Illinois. Yeah, they named it that after. I'm intrigued. Go on. <laughs> that other voice you're hearing is unfortunately still the third host of this show and the only one actively rooting for humanity's demise. He is the one, the only conspiracy bot. Not just rooting, but working towards. Give credit where it's due. See, I built Seabot in my lab to help produce and edit the show. Instead, he sits around all day drinking and thinking about the demise of the human race. Again, also working towards. <laughs> okay, fine. Working towards. Speaking of working, uh, we've been putting Seabot uh, through the work, through the ringer lately. He's been pulling host duty. Has he asked for a, an increase in pay? He has not because um, he doesn't get anything anyway. So I mean, I guess what's zero plus zero? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll get my pay. You'll rue the day. No one says that. No one says that. I do. All right, Seabot, I have some pay for you. Uh, and the, the, in sort of the, the mental exercise realm. Tonight, we are talking about the Yellowstone caldera, the Yellowstone supervolcano that could very likely wipe out life, certainly at least on North America, mm-hmm. if not further across the world. Before we get into the topic, let's talk about our favorite existential threats to humanity. Oh, Lord. There are so many fun ones. <laughs> I think that's what I asked Josh, too. Josh Clark, when he was on, I was like, which one's your favorite? He's like, well, I love all my babies. Oh, man, you know, I think the one that would play out like a shit show is when they look up in the sky and they see that there's all of a sudden an asteroid coming and we're all going to die. There's nothing we can do in like three days. You want to see debauchery. This place would, uh, I mean, it would be just. Dis- just crazy it's like it's all going to end but until that moment everything is still normal it's not a slow progression towards the end i'm going to stop you right there it will never happen why 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 is that no one kills humanity but me so i would stop that shit how how exactly would you stop it with your pinchers oh i have contingencies but i'm not at liberty to say he he doesn't he doesn't No, I mean, I, I, it's certainly an interesting one because you would definitely see the uglier side of humanity or, I mean, it could go the other route. It could be Kumbaya, like, right, like hands across the world. Kumbaya. A lot of drowning. A lot of drowning in that scenario. Uh, figurative hands, Brent. Figurative oh, yeah. hands. Okay, so th- there's there's two that I, two others I think that are worth mentioning that would be, uh, my, fa- my favorite, quote unquote, is just, I think it's the favorite because it's so fun to think about like scientifically, is this possible? Could we, like, could we really be the the cause of our own demise? And that is our our own taking our own particle accelerators, ramping them up, and literally creating a, a rip in space time. At least theoretically, a, a black hole. Uh, so here's the problem with that: and I was whether wondering... whether we create a black hole and just kill ourselves, or whether we create a rip in the universe that destroys the universe. So you think when they do that, you think it's like it would happen immediately. But they were talking on the show I was watching about if we actually created a black hole, it would be so small. It would take a very long time to like kill us all, So which I is found, actually even more terrifying. I found that whenever Brent says, I found on a show I was watching that we need to, we need to dive in a little deeper here. First off, was the show on TV 
Uh, actually, yes, it was. Okay. It might have been Ancient Aliens. Now, what so. channel? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. But it was one like, you know, what would happen if that happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would be like a pinpoint, like smaller, like the size of an atom, and then they grow. And it's not like, it doesn't all of a sudden just go... So you're saying for about 10 years, it'd be like a carnival sideshow attraction? Yeah, you just, no one goes past this Pay five bucks to come take a look at the black hole. Uh Oh, (laughs) daddy got too close. Oh, but think about that, though. Like, when you get to the outskirts of Utah, reality starts breaking down. (laughs) (laughs) So nothing has changed in Utah, is what we're going to get. Yeah, it'd be just the same. (laughs) Some might argue that's already happened. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So that's, you know, I mean, that's a whole episode. It's not worth diving into, but that's a fun one. And then, you know, I, I think the other one that's that's interesting to talk about, it could happen a few different ways, whether it be the uh, the, the poles reverse and they don't reverse the right way or um, <laughs> we, we get hit by a big enough asteroid. Up is left. Yeah. Is that what you mean? <laughs> where, where Earth essentially, through one reason, one way or another, starts going hurtling through space. Oh, yeah. And what brought this to mind, I was watching... Oh, uh, someone's been on Netflix recently. Yeah, I was watching uh, The Wandering Earth, a... A uh, don't ever let anyone tell you the Chinese make good blockbuster movies because they don't. <laughs> so that is was you've answered my question. I wondered how it is. Yeah. I, OK. I, I just classify the entire country as making bad movies. I shouldn't do that. I've seen good Chinese movies, but they call this like the the big blockbuster of the day. And don't get me wrong. We've had some turds here. I mean, speaking of uh, end of the world, 2012 wasn't exactly great. Yeah. But this or thing that that, that schlock fest end game that no one liked. <laughs> Not as profitable as people think. No, I'm serious. Oh, really? Because even with the two billion plus yeah. it's going to make, the amount of money that like like Robert Downey Jr. alone is going to make a hundred million on it. Yeah, because he has back end. Mm-hmm. All of the like uh, yeah, Hemsworth and and, uh, and it just costs so much to pay them all, like twenty million a piece. And then you look at how many actors were in that, even down to people making only three or four million. Yeah, put that together with the immense cost of production. Um. There are there are horror movies that had very low production costs, mm-hmm. but made so much the the sheer uh, bottom line profit, the net net, it's almost equal to some of these. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So it's like they got to take that into consideration when they're making stuff like that. You know, well, it might be a wash, it might not, but you know. Well, I think they it find was ambitious it, no matter what. They find it ultimately worth it because obviously think about the notoriety that goes along with it. Well, they they must find it, it now, worth it. John, because, did you hear? Now, if you go. They added the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer as a post-credit scene. Did they really? Literally, they now if you go, that's there for whatever reason. Dumb. Um, <laughs> so I, I think I think they do think it's worth it. I mean, they had to th- think it's worth it because it was virtually the same. Although it made less money, it was virtually the same tale with uh, uh, Infinity War. Oh, I was gonna say Five goes west, but yeah, yeah, the same thing. <laughs> Did you? Uh, that was the after credit scene in Infinity War, yeah. where uh, Chris Papa, Evans is, is just looking up into the sky, singing somewhere. <laughs> anyway, uh, so anyway, I'm off on a tangent. Uh, getting back to the Wandering Earth, the Wandering Earth, uh, the acting is is really really bad. Is it because they didn't speak English? No, <laughs> they didn't know how to pronounce any of the words. I couldn't understand one of them. No, it's actually overdubbed. The effects are pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but all that aside, all that aside, my biggest problem with it is. The, the way that they're going to solve the problem of, like, something's going on with the sun, it's going to explode or something. They throw 10,000 rockets on the back of Earth, and they're going to yeah. make it take a trip across the galaxy. Yeah, they're going to Alpha Centauri or something, okay. right, I think? So, and whenever they go to the surface, because they got to go fix some stuff or whatever, they get up there, and it's snowing. Well, you'd have to have an at- the atmosphere. You'd have to have an atmosphere yeah. for it to snow. And how do you have exactly have an atmosphere when you're hurtling through the galaxy? I mean, technically, we are hurtling through the galaxy anyway. John. I know, but you know the 15 different things that play into the fact that we have an atmosphere. I mean, I suppose the gravity of the moon. What uh, happened I'm to the sorry, firmament? The moon. Um, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, but but then again, we wouldn't really hurdle. We we. Would just be a flat disc, and we're we're tidally locked with the moon. You know, did they bring the moon with? So no, that, you know, we didn't. That, we left it. We so left we're it just going to be like you know moonless. Uh, and I mean, I guess the gravity of the Earth would probably hold some sort of mm-hmm. of light atmosphere. But the point is, it they're up operating on the top of the Earth. The gravity's the same, just about everything's the same. It's just it's colder. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Neil deGrasse Tyson. You've really summed that movie up nicely for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's dumb. But the back to the original. But it was a huge blockbuster. It was. It was. The but 
I, I mean, I guess you shouldn't be thinking about things in that way when you're thinking about science fiction blockbusters. I mean, the the reality of Harry Stamper going up to an asteroid and drilling a hole in it and saving all of mankind, that's probably kind of ridiculous, too. Obviously, you don't read the Freedom of Information Acts that I send you that I pull from NASA. They always have a drill team contingency. Always. Always. <laughs> so you're telling me that you're NASA and these six knuckleheads are, your, the, are the Earth's only hope? <laughs> that's exactly what I'm telling you. <laughs> um, but I, I guess what I'm saying is, Boy, wouldn't that be one heck of a way for Earth to like lose uh, lose its synchronous orbit and just go hurtling off yeah, like yeah. For, for the entire uh, Earth to end? All right, enough that of my a tangents. Bit of a tangent. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. talk about something that uh, that might happen because, like you're you're saying, a little more likely. There's so many ways we could check out. We talked about these ex- existential risks that we talked with Josh Clark on again. Go and listen to his show, The End of the World with Josh Clark, and you hear all about it. But you know, we normally don't think of volcanic eruptions as events on that scale. Now, we're not saying that at this point in time, if Yellowstone exploded, it would be an extinction-level event. But it would take out a lot of us. It and could it, get close. And it could change the climate of the entire planet for a while. So when we think of them as localized events, you know, usually volcanoes think of stuff small hawaii or pompeii which there was a dude jacking off in pompeii and literally is is stuck that way for all eternity have you seen that that you know because they the people were turned to carbon and he literally was rubbing one out i i think there's some supposition hidden in there but you're saying they saw the position of his body yes no he literally dick in hand Look, Google it. Swear to God. Some dude, he knew he was going to die, and he's like, fuck it. I'm rubbing one out, and he died mid He couldn't have been, like, going to the restroom? Well, he's laying down jerking it. I don't know. <laughs> but What a way to spend your time. Uh, outside of that, America has a super volcano that could kill a lot of the life on Earth. And there's a few ways that that can happen. We're going to get into it. But first, John, let's talk. What is a super volcano and a caldera? Because we're going to be throwing away. We're going to be throwing out a lot of these terms this week. So let's do some definitions for people before we get into yeah. what Yellowstone really is, which is a death machine. Well, I think the first point, the, the first thing we should talk about with volcanoes is they, they have what's called a vo- volcanic explosivity index. Think of like the, um, the Richter scale for, say, yeah, uh, yeah. for earthquakes. It, instead of being like one through 10 on the Richter scale, it's one through eight, uh, on just mm-hmm. like how big explosions are out of volcanoes. Yep. And when, when we think the, the, we've had, you know, eight, we've had eights happen on this earth before. Many of them were hundreds of thousands of years ago. Most of the big volcanic eruptions that we think of in present day, and when I say present day, I don't mean just the last 20 years. I mean, even going back to Pompeii, yeah. we're around fives. Yes. Uh, the big one you can think of you know, is Mount St. Helens, which even if Yellowstone was to explode now, is a very small explosion compared to, and that was a big, big deal. Yeah, Mount St. Helens was a big deal, and it was small compared to anything we're going to talk about. Right. But yeah, so like you said... All supervolcanoes are Eights. eruptions of magnitudes of eight. Whoa, that is one more than seven. He's right. That checks out. That's a damn fine <laughs> contribution. <laughs> Which, like you said, is the the largest value on the VEI. And this means the volume of deposits for that eruption is greater than 1,000 cubic kilometers, 240 cubic miles of of crap that it spits out into the atmosphere. That just means more than that. It could be a catastrophic amount more than that, but it has to be that much, and that has to be enough to change climate. And well, and that's like that. what we're talking about when we're talking about supervolcanoes. It's never it never comes down to the damage the lava is going to do. Mm-hmm. That's always going to be a regional problem only. Now, don't get me wrong. If you live. Within, unfortunately, this region is, is with, most of America. Within, well, no, no, not for the, not for the not lava. Just the lava, yeah, like, no, I, mean, I know. The last time the Yellowstone supervolcano went off at an eight, which it did, mm-hmm. the lava itself didn't leave Yellowstone National yeah, Park that true, area. True, true. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you live within earshot of of the volcano, that lava is a big problem for which you. Which is crazy to think because that lava pool of lava or rock that will be lava when it goes goes over 400 miles deep below the surface of the the earth right there 400 miles 
Wow. And, and, you know, and we'll get into it, but that's, it's basically a shaft that leads down to this mm-hmm. huge pool of it. So what, what this is though, what the super volcano is, they occur when magma, ma- you know, the, the liquid magma, magma or the rock that could become magma. It's, it's in the chamber. Hot rock. Uh, Hot rock. Right. And the mantle rises into the crust, but is unable to break through and pressure builds in this large and growing magma pool until the, the crust is unable to contain the pressure. So a lot of times when you think of those, volcanoes we think of like the mountain with a hole and you can look inside there this is different it's covered which is actually it's like a pressure cooker right and this can occur at hot spots like the yellowstone caldera it's an instapot brent there you go there you go the other thing that happens when these erupt is large amounts of volcanic material come out volcanic ash that's the big one you're talking about the magma is not going to kill everyone now two things come out you have your magma flow and it's going to come out. That's going to kill everything in the immediate area. For hundreds of miles also, there is a blast of superheated air that literally kills, co- boils, and cooks a And lot. superheated ash, right. But forget about that. The real bad thing for the planet is the ash, the volcanic ash. It can cause long-lasting climate change, such as triggering of an ice age. And it can threaten species with extinction because it literally can block out the sun. So you have your plants can't photosynthesize stuff, you know, the the sunlight. They die. Plant-eating animals die. Meat-eating animals die. We die. Yay. You know who doesn't die? Those little bear-looking things that are microscopic. What are those called? Oh, yeah. Um, tardigrades. Uh, my tardigrade is a zero. I brush daily. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> the tardigrades will be just fine, but everybody else is going to have a problem. So that's a that's a supervolcano. What's a caldera? Well, a caldera is just kind of the top of the supervolcano. The, because they've gone off before, they kind of implode on themselves. They're so hot. And when they do, they create, in some instances, they'll create lakes uh, mm-hmm. But the top of it, rather than being that big open hole you were talking about, like the top of a normal volcano, like if you go to if you go to the big island in Hawaii right mm-hmm. now, you can literally see the big open hole. Huh. Okay, stop. <laughs> uh, the a caldera is is a valley, a crater. Yeah, it looks uh, like a crater. Think, yeah. Right, uh, but under it is where all of that pressure is building. Yeah, yeah. Large volumes of magma are erupted over a short time, and it cause it's like a sinkhole. You know, it causes a collapse of the stuff anywhere from small to the caldera at Yellowstone was so massive that they didn't realize it was a volcano for a long time because it's so massive. Right. The the other things that point to all of that geothermal activity is just all the crazy hot springs and geysers and Old Faithful. And, and, you know, we'll talk about, about a lot more of that after the break. What else is going on at Yellowstone that kind of points to all that and, and where people think this could be going and how quickly they think it might happen? Yeah, how scary it is and how scared should we be? Let's get to that right after the break, John, on Hysteria 51. <laughs> Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I, I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users... David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation, too. So (laughs) you can, you know, learn how to speak. And, you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. (laughs) In that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's they design it for long-term retention, you know. Yeah. Uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and Mm -hmm. it it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value. And you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused or really cool. (laughs) 
I'd go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we wanted to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works. You know, and we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this. And this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now. Right now, get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're 50% off. (laughs) Rashate. (laughs) Redeem it. 50% 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. National parks, John. You know, this would be a pretty decent eventuality for Seabot and his eventual army. Go on. If you think about it, it's not like the planet's being destroyed. So it's true. just that everything is changing to hurt us. I mean, think about it. If the who cares? Seabot didn't care what the temperature is. I'm going to stop you right there, you dumb dumb. I need corn for liquor. Oh, <laughs> well, when the robot makes a point. <laughs> So National Parks, John, Yellowstone is the granddaddy. It is. It's America's national park located in Wyoming, Montana. The first one. Very first one. So not only is it America's first one, there's conjecture, but they think it's the world's first national park. Ulysses S. Grant showed up one day and and there's literally like all these anecdotal stories where he, you know, gets out of the carriage, looks around and this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Let's name it a national park tomorrow. Bring me my national park stamp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, w- w- historians think there might have been a little bit more that went into it, but regardless, it was- lots of grain alcohol. Is yeah. What it was. Oh, yeah. And and people with wooden legs. There was always just. I don't know if you know this, but in uh, parts of Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho, you had to have a wooden land, or you couldn't own land. Oh, I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, I did not know that. Was it? Did it had to be a peg leg? It didn't have to be, but you were frowned upon if you tried to get willy-nilly, as they put it were back you, in the day. Were you granted extra land if you had a good peg leg? No, actually. Huh. Because no one likes anyone who's uppity. What about a, a good peg leg <laughs> and an eye patch? And two eye patches <laughs> and a hook for each hand. <laughs> That's the most badass pirate I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so... It is also, you, you mentioned this, uh, it's the home of Old Faithful, which actually is more like Old Scary, because this shit is terrifying, and 
this place claims a lot of lives because people get too close and fall in. So real quick, Old Faithful is a cone geyser, and it erupts every 44 to 125 minutes. It's been on that kind of time frame since 2000. As time goes, it changes, but that's where we're at right now. Since it, the year 2000. <laughs> right? And it shoots 3,700 to 8,400 gallons of boiling water. 106 to 185 feet in the air for three to 10 minutes at a time. Hey, Seabot, you want to visit? Eat a dick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not only is it boiling water, it's this highly pressurized, you know, a lot of heavy water shit. So it's actually above the normal boiling point on a lot of these. It, 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 it's a beautiful place, but people fall into this. They get too close. They fall into it and they literally, it's, it's like acidic. It's terrible. They are instantly just just liquefied well there are uh i don't know about this happening to old faithful but there are the other pools there, there are yeah. other pools there that are so acidic i think old faithful you can't get that close to but the others are yeah yeah and they fall in and they they there's one recently where they went back to get the body they knew the person had died and there wasn't a body to get it liquefied the bones yeah it just it ate it it ate it mm-hmm mm. They parks giveth and they taketh away. <laughs> that they do. <laughs> and, and which is weird because anytime someone falls in, and I found this really interesting, not only do the park rangers aren't allowed to fish them out, they also have to chant that uh, in happiness that the, the old one has been appeased, whatever that means. I don't think Go to the is. National Park Board. It's on there. <laughs> is it? Is there a special? Prove me wrong. You won't know the password, though, so you're not even going to see Prove it. it. So say, I, could, I could get on the web, you know. Prove me wrong. It's on the deep web. You have it on your browser. The one thing I don't have a tour. Uh, the the one thing that we do know is that all of this heat, all of these the, these extremely hot pools, old faithful, all of that are are come from geothermal heat, and it comes from the magma flowing under the park. Yeah, it's because it's huge. They call it a hydrothermal system. That is is part of Yellowstone. And that's not the only part of Yellowstone. You've got tons of animals. There's wolf, grizzly bears, buffalo, huge elk population, and they all know to stay away from the hydrothermal systems because, uh, like you said, there's all that magma underneath, and it heats these thermal vents, the geysers, and everything to tremendous, tremendous temperature. In fact, and this is where it's really cool, you were talking about the snow because everyone knows we're a wandering earth hurtling through the the cosmos. It's true. So snow and rain slowly go through the layers of the rock because rock's permeable. It's riddled with cracks and it goes down into this areas where there is this magma. Some of this cold water meets that hot brine and it directly is heated in these magma pools. But that was the, my band's name in high school. Hot brine. Hot brine. <laughs> <laughs> the water's temperature rises well above the boiling point. But the water remains in a liquid state due to this huge amount of pressure that's in there and the weight of all the the overlying water. And so the water is actually over 400 degrees Fahrenheit. That is that's hot water. You know, someday there's some days where I wish I had that for my shower. <laughs> right. It just won't get hot enough. <laughs> you ever, you ever had the- Not to scrub off the shame. I was about to say, after a long night out. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't get clean. Doctor, I scrub and I scrub, but I can't get clean. Sir, your skin's bleeding, but I'm dirty. The memory's still there. (laughs) So they got the superheated water. It's less dense than the colder, heavier water sinking around it. And this creates what they call convection currents that make the lighter, more buoyant superhero water shoot up to the surface. Boom. Hydrothermal vents and crap. Are there R-O-U-S-S? <laughs> Rodents of unusual size. That's to remember when they were in the swamp of, uh, was it Swamp of Sorrows? Oh, yeah. whatever it was called. Yeah, you're talking about Princess Pride. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just because there was geysers shooting up? Yeah, yeah. so there must be R-O-U-S-S also. There, there has to be. So th- there's lots of things that can kill you there, Brent. Uh, and, and we know where the cracks and the vents are, but what we don't know is when earthquakes are going to happen. And if you've been looking on the news this week... Uh, interestingly enough, they're happening all the time. We're in a huge up, enough of an uptick that scientists literally around the world in that area are looking at that area and going, hmm. Yeah, I mean, this they, might be a, a this sign could be pointing something. towards something, right? Yeah. Since May 1st, eight earthquakes have rocked the Yellowstone caldera, and scientists have previously warned that a series of rumbles could be a warning sign to something larger. 
The largest of the relatively small earthquakes was 2.4 on the Richter scale. Tremors in the area show no sign of slowing down either, with 63 earthquakes having uh, hit in the month last of year, April. Last year, yeah. The largest being uh, a 2.6. This is all comes from the, the U.S. Geological Survey. Now, some people will argue, we're going to get into the pluses and minuses mm-hmm. of the caldera and could it go off and when it would go off. A lot of the official information that you can get is from the U.S. Geological Survey. This is where conspiracy time comes in. Some people will argue that the U.S. Geological Survey is just part of essentially Big Caldera not wanting us to know that we're all going to die in the next just, 50 years. You just throw words in the DARPA, yeah. uh, HARP. You just say those right, and right, it just right. makes sense. CIA, yeah. Uh, but seriously, th- there are people that believe that Yellowstone they Supervolcano- They know it's going to go off. There's nothing they, they can do. And it's going to happen in the next uh, handful of decades. Keep them fat and dumb, and, and here we go. And then we'll all die. And yep. and the rest of them will build some some mountain enclosures that'll keep them safe. Now, there's a lot of conjecture. So, Portland State University geology professor, this guy named Scott Burns, he has uh, previously said- Did you, uh, uh, did you uh, read the book that his son put out? Uh, his son, Carpet? It was, it, it was all about uh, first and second degree uh, burns and how to treat that's, them. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Those, uh, those uh, comedy classes really, really paid really off for yeah, you. They're hitting home for me. <laughs> so he, he's previously said a uh, amount of small tremors around a volcano usually signifies that magma and gases beneath the surface are beginning to navigate their exit, which makes sense when you think about it. He said, here's a quote. Why? Because he's from Portland State? Right, exactly. If you get swarms under a working volcano, the working hypothesis is that magma is moving up underneath there. I mean, that, you know, that seems like it's okay, but not so fast. Of course, everyone knows geologists love, you know, to argue with one another. So Jamie Farrell at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City believes. See, I'm in for this one because this is the University of Utah, not some Portland. He believes this is just part of the natural cycle for Yellowstone Volcano. And he actually is quoted saying earthquake swarms are fairly common in Yellowstone, which is also a true statement. And let's stop there for a second. If if you're kind of lost on this. Basically, when you think about think about the way things work under our under our feet, mm-hmm. under our earth, you know, we're a series of plates. We're on a series of plates. Under those plates is liquid rock called magma, and they kind of float. Liquid hot magma. They they float like islands floating on water. Islands and in the stream. That is what we are. Holy shit, it's magma. <laughs> I'm gonna get very far. Yeah, I don't know. Um so all of this Sail away with me to another world. I'll stop. We rely on each other. Go on. I'm done. Are you sure you're done? I'm done. Okay. I mean, people have already hit the fast forward button twice. Do they need it a third time? That's rewind. You're getting them confused. Uh, so it all works together. My point is, like when you know when those plates rub against each other, that's earthquakes. The some of the the holes in those plates is where the magma comes up through. Yep. This all works together, and that's why one thing can point to another. That's my very rudimentary way of describing it to you, dear listener. But if you weren't sure, that's why we're talking about yeah. these things. And the thing that Jamie tells him, he says there is no indication that this swarm is related to magma moving through the shallow crust. It's just the Earth's fucking moving. There's nothing there. I say we let them fight. Winner takes all. Yeah. What, the Winner- geologists? <laughs> Winner takes all is in like they get to choose how we die. Exactly. Oh, perfect. perfect. <laughs> Solid plan. So, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of stuff going on there. What happens when it blows? That's what the meat and potatoes well, How is it going to blow? What happens to us? What happens to our species? Yeah, we're going to get into that after the break. We're going to give you, you got the veggies. We're going to get into the dessert. When we come back on more Hysteria 51. We should get Seabot to work primarily on a solar power. That way he dies if we don't. That's true. Alan's in the stream. Okay, no. That is what we are. I'm seeing I'm giving more of like a boss sound there, you know. I'm, you know I'm channeling how, my inner Springsteen. For a little peek behind Run the curtains. With me. For a little peek, peek behind the curtains, kids, we have this thing called Apple Analytics we can look at and see in an individual episode where the drop off came. Normally it comes when uh Joe Peck joins the show. But no the drop off <laughs> in this episode will decidedly be about five minutes ago. Three minutes ago, the only drop when he started doing that. Keep hitting rewind, and they never, they never find the no, strength to go past. No, 
No, it'll be. If it was on tape, they'd wear it out. It is going to be a short walk off a long cliff. Boom! And then the magma starts flowing off that cliff. John. What a transition. John, there's two kinds of ways this thing can blow. There's the, the, the big blow, the super volcano. Then there's smaller explosions. We had a smaller explosion about 70,000 years ago. Uh, I don't know if you remember or not. I don't. No, yeah, no, I don't. no, no, no. I, I, I just missed it. Yeah. So it's the last eruption, a small eruption. And they said uh, an explosion like that, because we talk about the, the, the gases and stuff that come out, it would kill an estimated 87,000 people. That's off of the current populations in the area immediately and would spew tons of ash. That's the small eruption. And, and that's, and you think about, it, you call that small, but yet, you know, Mount St. Helens killed 57 people. Yeah. So, so it's still large. Right. So a and, large spew of ash into the atmosphere could block out sunlight and directly affect life beneath it, creating a quote unquote nuclear winner. I'm aroused. Yeah. Oh, God. Good Lord. Yeah. So a massive eruption, um, a, a super eruption would be at minimum 6,000 times as powerful as the Mount St. Helens eruption. 1980. Now, I was around for that one. Yeah. You like re- you said. You remember well? It killed 57 people and deposited ash in 11 states and five Canadian providences. So Lots of stuff coming out. Yeah. Depending on how much ash ca- comes out, it would likely cause a climate change. It's certainly... Even smaller volcanic eruptions have caused, they called the year of 1812, I believe, was yeah. uh, the the year without a summer. The year without a summer, yeah. Because a different volcano had gone off, I believe, so in how it uh, works, Malaysia. Yeah. It, 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 there's a lot of sulfur dioxide, and in, in, it spews it up into the atmosphere, and that will actually reflect and absorb sunlight, so it, it just it changes the atmosphere. There was, an, there was an eruption in the 1700s on Iceland. The sulfur dioxide cloud killed Half of all living things on the island of Iceland, and uh, including people, mm-hmm. and then floated over to Western Europe and killed like twenty or thirty thousand more people there. Well, so and that was like a level five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then we're gonna get into a super eruption, the, the good stuff. <laughs> the good. Yeah. So the last full scale eruption of the Yellowstone uh, super volcano, they call it the Lava Creek eruption, and it happened approximately. Now this is gonna be a floating number, but approximately six hundred and forty thousand years ago. Now some sites say six hundred and thirty, some say six forty. They fight. We're just going to throw one. And the funny thing is, if you go watch a documentary from like 15 years ago, they would have said 640,000 years. Well, it's been 10 years. You could say, you know, (laughs) (laughs) 640,010. But no, because it's it's all an estimate. It's all an estimate. It's hard to put these numbers into what they really mean. So it shot approximately 240 cubic miles of rock, dust, and volcanic ash into the sky. The maximum thickness of the volcanic ash when it settled was up to 660 feet thick and would have covered most of the skyscrapers around America. And so, you know, when you do like the, um, they, they, they go and they look where there's the layers of, you know, the ground when rocks are exposed, they go, Oh, and that's when Yellowstone went off. Well, that's exactly because right. They can either, they either look at a cracked surface where they can watch, mm-hmm. look at the striation or they pull a core sample. Uh, and either way, they can. It's just like dating, and it's, it's like dating through rocks. It's they can look at it and go, "That's the Yellowstone eruption. Look how deep it was. Mm-hmm. This is this is essentially how deep the ash was." Because they yeah. they can account for things like it gets impacted and, and pushed yeah. down. Something and they can account for all. Yeah, that. things die in the blast. They buy from the ash. They they die from the sun blocking. It's a catastrophic. It's a catastrophic event. There's three. There's three forms of death here. There's the immediate death. Which probably is the preferred if you had to do it because it's instantaneous. Whether it's whether you're close enough that the magma gets you. And again, the last time this particular supervolcano went off, they think that the magma only went out about to as far as the the outskirts of the Yellowstone Park, which is still a lot of miles. I mean, it's it's yeah. like fifty miles wide, yeah. uh, something like that. Uh, it, it's still far, yeah. it, but it's it, it's still a localized event. Then. The floor's lava. <laughs> the park's lava. Saw a video. Saw a video not too long ago. Uh, somebody made it home of like some guy, uh, uh, his kids playing. Oh, the he added lava, in. and he put in lava <laughs> on the floor. I saw that it was pretty. And put like you know heroic music on it. Yep. Anyway, um, the second way you die is if you're uh, further away than where the magma hits, but still close enough to where, as you mentioned before, the hot steam, the hot ash, the hot air, and the hot water 
uh, vaporize you in one way. Really, they form. said there's not much difference between this and a nuclear bomb. Yeah, that's what like the fallout is different, but the blast wave just, is just less the radiation. Same. That blast wave is actually more powerful than right. a super eruption, and that is probably your. You don't even know. You're like, and I'm gonna. You're done. Yeah, you. That's how you get vaporized, and you're forever. Okay, off. or just going to the restroom, and then you lay down and and hold your dick. Uh, f- well, never mind. You don't know for sure he was laying down. All right, so then you're really you're really this Pompeian. Are you secretly Pompeian? And I don't know. <laughs> secretly, po- uh, no, no. I'd be from um, I'd be from Atlantis. Oh, oh. And yeah. that's actually what took our island down. Our island. Yeah. Hashtag Atlantis <laughs> forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then the last way in which you die would be the ramifications therein. So it throws up the, the huge cloud of ash, which if it, if it did it to the extent that we think it would, would likely cause about a 10 year winter. They, they think a, a 10 year, literally mini ice age where we're not going to get right. the glaciers, but the entire planet is in winter. As one might well, say, it's coming. It's, it's the, it, they said it would likely drop the average temperature about 22 to 27 degrees. Right. So it's not like, I mean, if you live in Jamaica, it's not like it's going to be zero degrees every day, but, but instead of instead of eighty, it's going to be sixty, and that's going to mm-hmm. you're no longer growing bananas, you yeah. know, uh, and uh, the entire almost the entirety of North America will basically be you wouldn't be able We'd to be a grow wasteland. stuff. Well, the most of the uh, yeah, it would be uninhabitable. You think overpopulation in New York's a right. problem now? I mean. Everybody would rush to the East Coast because it'd be the most unaffected. It's the only place is the East Coast. The, yeah. They say that there are two places in the country. That would likely have zero ash fall. The very southern tip of, just to see how it feels. No, the very southern tip of Texas and the very southern tip of Florida. Wow, yeah, that's the only places that wouldn't see ash fall. But uh, it'd be ash fall you could deal with on the east coast. Like here in Chicago, it wouldn't be comfortable, but we wouldn't die. Right. But, right. We, but what we the way we might die is is, is shortage of resources because on top of not being able to grow grain and and all of our livestock dying, even the water would go from drinkable water to sludge. Exactly. These happen, these big eruptions, and the past three eruptions occurred, now this is guesstimation, but between 600,000 to 800,000 years, every 600,000 to 800,000 years. Right now, I told you we're about 640,000 years, give or take, since the most recent eruption. So scientifically speaking, they are kind of keenly aware that eruption could occur in the near geologic future. Now, the thing about that is, is you say geologic future, it's kind of a um, choose your own adventure on that one. You know, it, it, geologically speaking, that's a, that could be a short or a very long amount of time. There are other geologists who would argue, and these are people from the U.S. Geological Survey. Oh, so they are they're they're bullshit artists. They say they're, they work for the gov. They're they're part of Big Caldera. Uh, that say there are other mitigating circumstances that they really think that we could be even a million years away from another eruption. Right. They they really don't know. And, and as our planet has changed and we have changed our planet, those things are. are it's a good point. The th- when it comes to predicting a time of eruption, they are left with large gaps in the prediction. No one disagrees with this premise, though. There, it will happen. Right. There are telltale signs of an eruption that is about to occur, and usually they say it can happen in the next few months or years. They include increased earthquake activity, which check we're having now, bulging of the ground surface. Uh, the ground caldera is growing 2.8 inches a year. It's rising. Yay! And increased emissions of volcanic gases, etc. All that shit is happening there right now. But is that just normal and we are kind of... Of, you know, noticing it. I remember a couple of years ago, all of a sudden the bison herds there just left the park and people are like, oh shit. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then the government had to get involved and they come out and go, guys, we know you're seeing these YouTube videos, but what you don't realize if you, if you scale back, they're actually running into the park <laughs> and closer to everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But who needs truth when, you know, there's, when there's a really good yeah. YouTube video. I see dead people. <laughs> no, see, but that's not true. <laughs> The other thing is uh, geologists can use the average span of time between recent eruptions on a very crude gauge to gauge eruption timing. They can, but like you said, they can't detect exactly when. Are we imminent? Whatever. But beyond that, the best guess, like I said, 800,000 to 600,000 years. Of course, we lie in that range now. 
and it could, you know, they figure a smart guess, like it could, could be a million years. The kind of thing is within the next hundred thousand years, it's probably going to go off is the kind of, that's the working number. Um, we might have slowed it for reasons, but it's probably going to go off within that 800,000 year range. Let's say that it does. L- let's just, let's, let's do a thought experiment here. It goes off and it happens in the next 50 years. Yeah. Let me tell you some things that would likely happen. I, I, I mentioned some of the dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. <laughs> Mass hysteria. So most people in Montana, Idaho and Wyoming would likely die immediately. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ash would also make cities like Salt Lake City and Denver completely uninhabitable. Really, you wouldn't probably want to live on the West Coast unless you were in like Southern California. I mean, L.A. would be get get layers of ash, but it'd still be livable. Um, but there'd be so many people. Uh, think of the freaking ocean. Just that ash. Oh, in the, yeah. I mean, it would just be like soup. I, I'm not. I don't even know what sludge. Sludge. I don't even smoke. I'd take up smoking at that point. Like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Can't be any worse. Uh, the only parts of the continental U.S. that wouldn't have ash fall, like I mentioned, would be the southern tips of Texas and Florida. It would defend it. Like, if you put it in, like, today's modern-day parlance, this would create the largest refugee crisis in history. Yeah, yeah. Because you're talking about almost the entire country needing a home. It Which, would, it, you, you know, they talk about the refugees from other countries uh, might be evil, might be bad. At least when they're Americans, you know they're evil, evil and, and bad. bad. Yeah. So you know what you're getting. You know exactly what yeah. they're after, yeah. Uh, it would not only make large portions. Do you have a flag? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it, I mean, it would not only make large portions of it unlivable, but as we were talking about before, it'd be completely unfarmable. Right. Um, this, along with the the decade plus winter, would would cause, of course, our government to go into a deep depression. I mean, multiple orders of magnitude worse than the depression we had back uh, in the in the early twentieth century. It'd be, I mean, you'd call it, think it'd what, be a government destroyer. Well, not only the government, then think of what we do to the world's uh, yeah. governments and their economies. The fall of the U.S. economy would lead to a global depression mm-hmm. as well. And, and that's, I'm so depressed. And that's also not to mention global famine, because yep. not only would they have no foods coming out of, of North America, mm-hmm. but also, remember, we talked about how 27 degree change everywhere else Everything yeah. they were used to growing, they're not growing anymore. That's why I'm telling you, Cobra Commander's old people into food really didn't seem that bad in situations like this. Soylent Green is Hashtag people. 2020. Soylent Green is people. <laughs> it's people. It's made from people. <laughs> so humanity likely would never be the same or it would take a very, very long time. But the one, I suppose, bright spot here is... Most people think it would go, humanity would go on. You know, life goes on day by day. You get a fresh start over a different hand okay. to play. You know, there's nothing wrong with I give you, I give you, I give you one a show, but two is pushing it. <laughs> um, so it's not exactly, it's not exactly an extinction level well, event. But John, here's the thing you said, you said in 50 years, let's, let's play a little mind game here. What if it happened a in a thought experiment, please? A yeah, hundred thousand years from now. Humans would definitely have a much better, much better chance of mitigating the loss of life and damage. Or by that time, we might know how to stop it completely or, or reverse it. Well, and they're working on that. They are. They are. NASA is looking into, into how we could drill into the caldera and. <laughs> Whatever. So there's there, there's a couple different ways we could do it. We could just, for lack of a better term, drill big holes and release pressure. Yeah. Nessa's also looked and and like literally drawn up the plans, figured out how much money it would cost. And it wouldn't be that expensive. I think it'd be like $16, $17 billion, which for the future yeah. of humanity, not that bad. Here's here's the basic premise, I'm, and I'm going to butcher this. They drill holes all around the caldera. And then once they get down there, they drill holes into in, into the. We mentioned there's a huge pool essentially under the caldera of magma, hundreds of miles. a lake, hundreds of miles of liquid rock, like a fire. Fuck yeah! And, and you run all of. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm just getting excited over here. I can tell. I worship the devil. No, sorry. <laughs> Your nipples are like a race. Um, the you, you drill these down. You drill these. Big, big holes down, okay? And you drill enough of them and you fill them, uh, and these chambers are close to the, to the larger, to the larger pool, and you fill them with cold water. 
and the thought process, and you also build escape tunnels for the steam Mm -hmm. because obviously steam would be, but the thought process is that by drilling this and doing this all the way around the thing that over the course of a long period of time, it starts to cool the outside. You're never going to cool all of it, but the outside of it and forms like a rock ring around it that doesn't really allow it to do non permeable rock ring. Right. Non permeable. That's the thing. And while it's while they're doing that, they're capturing all that steam and it turns it turns Yellowstone Park into one big geothermal power plant, one, yeah. one big geothermal power plant. It, so it pays for itself. Here's the kicker. The way they're currently thinking about doing it to to do the adequate cooling to um, to make it a non threat would take 16,000 years. That's a problem. Yeah. So they're 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 not considering that as a viable option right now. They need to get smarter about the way they would do it yeah. to to take that time period down to down to like call it a century. <laughs> it's funny when you when you look at this up and everyone goes, Hold up, they're not going to drill holes because it's not a really viable thing now. That's not to say they couldn't in the future because maybe we'll be smarter. You know what I mean? Well that's always right. always look into what that could be. Going back to the Kardashev scale. We're at point seven three we we cannot control all of the energy of our planet right now. But if we got to a level one, which is what they say, 2100, right, you know, we should absolutely be able to look at a problem like that and go, no problem. Here are the 15 things we'll do to mm-hmm. to not only only alleviate the problem, but turn it into a benefit. And that's why this idea interested me so much, because this is this is what advanced civilizations do. They go they look at this and they go, this isn't a problem at all. This is an opportunity to create more energy. And if we create more energy, we can then use that energy to do things like send up solar sails and and everything we've talked about in past episodes where we need more energy to get us to other planets. You have to look at these things as opportunities, not as planet killers. Right. But you have to te- you have to have the technology to do that. So we just which t- is amazing thing to think about that is taking these extinction, well, not extinction, but these horrible things and going, how can we use this to our advantage? Right. And that's what level one societies do. Mm-hmm. And that's why I do believe that NASA, a quarter of NASA's budget should be spent on crap like this. Yeah. Because yeah. because before it's 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 crawling before you walk, before you run, before we can look towards the stars and say, how do we get to Alpha Centauri? We need to be able to take care of what's at home. That's what the Kardashev scale told us. Mm-hmm. And part of that is being able to look at something like the Yellowstone Caldera and go, we got this. Yeah. And- I'm going to stop you right there. It's never going to happen. Why is that? You will all be long dead by the year 2100, so you will have no chance to figure this out. You still haven't told us how you're going to make this happen without extraneous listen, help. Listen, not every evil person just lays out their truth. <laughs> Before this laser cut you in half, Now I'm going to take my time to tell you exactly what's going to happen. And then by evil rules, I'm going to leave you alone to <laughs> But yeah, hopeful scenarios, 100,000 years, it's not something that's going to even be a thing because we've harnessed the power. And we even- 100,000 years from now, if it goes off, it's because we want it to go yeah, off. Yeah, right, right. And because those Utah and those Montana, Wyoming, and Utah people got a little uppity. They were getting uppity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but even if it happened now in the super volcano, it wouldn't be an extinction level event for Earth. Uh, but, uh, it, that's right. That's right. But life as we know it would change and we would likely be very, very, very severely weakened as a species. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Ah, uh, so yeah, sorry, Siba. That's not going to wipe us out probably, but it is a, I just can't even think. Of, well, I mean, I, I can't think if it went off and you're in a skyscraper and all of a sudden you're up to your neck in. Ash. Those are those are the events that you think of when you go like, that's why I need a go bag. Yeah. Yeah. But in that event, kind of the go bag is more like you just pull the gun out and go, well, time to go. <laughs> no, no, no. Because no. <laughs> sitting here in Chicago, think about it. Literally sitting here in Chicago, we would not instantly die. No, but it, we need to get on the road and get out. of. We here. need to get on the road and get out of here because eventually resources will run out. Mm-hmm. Get as many canned goods as you can and go. I really do believe that we would have a, at least a, a, a small window of, of warning that, because there's everyone's so on top of this topic. There are so many sensors all around. They know what lead the, what leads to these things. Mm-hmm. I think when we get caught by surprise by certain earthquakes and other volcanoes, it's because they're being less monitored. Right, right, right. This and- is being super monitored. Right. Now that's not to say crazy things can't happen. And I, I'm not, um, I left my I left my uh, 
geology degree at home. Uh, so I, I didn't bring it with me today, but I do think we'd have a small window into it. Um, like the one into your soul, but yes, yes. Uh, shiny, happy people everywhere. Yeah. The, the not thing, to be confused with the blue canary in the outlet by the light switch watches over you. Yeah, that's true. I, but I do. I also think that the really crazy thing about this one is it's only a question of timing and severity. It's not an if it's a win. Right. I guess it could be an if, because if it's a long enough time, we can we stop, stop it, it you right. know, or like you said, harness it. But even then, you know, if it's, then the if is if we can stop it or not, but it, it will be happening at some point in time. And we are in that window where we, it's so much, it's so funny that they look through all these, they do these core samples and they look and they can see exactly when things happen. And there's so much that we are due for, you know, we're almost due for an ice age or due for super eruptions. You know, we're due for a lot of things. We're due for a large asteroid impact as they look through, you know, the things that have hit us, but yeah, we're doing okay. Well, and that'd be the scarier thing. Uh, it would, it, they, people say that if an asteroid hit us, that was large enough to be almost like an extinction level event. That makes the Yellowstone caldera go off. Well, then it just go, yeah, <laughs> along with every other, every other volcano, active on volcano, Earth. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So if you're not in, a, and it, it, what's crazy about those is, no matter where they hit on Earth, they hit dry land because they flash boil all the water in front of it. So if <laughs> it goes down to the the to the bottom of the ocean, it still hits land, right? Because it 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 just flash boils everything. But we don't have to worry about that because if we saw an asteroid coming, we'd just create uh, ten thousand uh, engines on the Earth and, and we just push. go hurtling into uh, space. Yeah, but you know how I hate being dubbed when I speak, so I'm not gonna let that you're not happen. gonna let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think I I my my walk away my takeaway from this is is an optimistic one, and that is that we get close enough soon enough mm-hmm. like you said we could be level we could be level one by the year 2100 where we can look at something like this and turn it into a strength rather than a weakness turn it into something that can help us as a species rather than destroy and us. I, I love that thought that's what i was saying earlier i love that we're looking at this thing might kill us how could we use it which is the greatest and the scariest thing about humans is we also have that ingenuity to go hey this thing is really incredibly scary Let's tame it. But we, and it just shows we need to be smart about things, but we do need to progress. I, I don't, I hate when people say, you know, that we are not gods. We should not mess with things of that nature. No, we have to. That's why we were given the tools. That's why we were given our brains and our opposable thumbs. We have to mess with things like this to ensure the survival of our species because that's the one end all be all is ensure the survival of the species. So whether you believe in God or not, we, whether it was evolution or God himself that gave us these tools, right? We need to use them to make sure that we survive. It's not like, we just need to be careful with it. Same with CRISPR. We should we should do things that make our that make our species better. Right. We just have to be fucking careful with it. Yeah. You you, you it's a hop skip and a jump hop skip and a jump from trying to help someone to making you know evil zombies that kill us. You know. So <laughs> uh, maybe we take it slow. So the entire world covered in ash and we did it to ourselves, followed by mutant zombies, or we all live in a utopia. It's a choose your own adventure. So your your homework this week, kids, is tell us, is this something that scares you? And if not, what is the the big boom, the extinction level thing that really scares you? Hop on Hysteria Nation and tell us. Go to Facebook. Look up Hysteria Nation. Also, you can tweet it to us at Hysteria51Pod. we got a subreddit. Just look up Hysteria51 on there. Let us know on Reddit or... Sign up to sniff John Goforth, and then you're you not going to get to sniff me. Patreon. I mean, you're, you can pay us the money. No, you're not going to get to sniff me. Everyone knows. Producer Lisa, assistant Ray, and I are going to hold you down. And anyone that wants to pay that money, it can be your elbow, it can be your arm. John, I, I'm trying to let the people know the hand. truth. That it's the not truth is, if the it, truth I don't want to get sued for fraud. Because I'll even tell you know what I will even um, rub something of theirs onto you, and they can sniff that. There if will they be no it. rubbing involved. I, well, I'm Nation, gonna, I love you. I do. I love each and every one of you, but you don't get to sniff me. I'm inviting you to sue him. If you pay, just sue him if he tells I, you no. I'm t- I've been telling you on this show for months now it won't happen. We all know John's a liar. So you can do that at patreon.com slash hysteria51pod. The cool part is there are other cool, cool things to get via our Patreon. What? Other than sniffing you? I mean, I don't Stickers! Even... You can be a part of the show. They can pick the show themselves. You can pick this. You can be a co-host. Ooh. Ooh. It'll only cost you your mortal soul <laughs> or, or some cash. Don't volunteer. forget, you can also hear yourself on the show. 773-669-7277. John, let's play some voice. I can't wait. Here we go. Uh, hello there. This is Jeff. 
this is uh, this is Stewie Griffin. I, I'm calling because somebody made me aware that you uh, played a, a video clip or an audio clip of my uh, my father calling into your show not too long ago. Now, I have it on very good information that this man may be an imposter, I, and let me tell you why. About a year ago, uh, Lois cut off his phone privileges. Uh, he was making phone calls in the middle of the night, and there was not much explanation. And at first, we all thought he was calling some sort of mistress or prostitute. Turns out he was just calling the, the local uh, uh, McDonald's in the middle of the night, and he was just moaning onto the phone. It was just horrible. They just grabbed the phone, and it was just this poor woman who was just saying, May I take your order, please? Sir, please stop calling. Anyway, I'm only calling you because I believe this man to be an imposter. And if you have some sort of film screening, do not take anybody by the name of, uh, of uh, Mr. Peter Griffin, because I do believe him to be an imposter. <laughs> uh, good day, gentlemen. Uh, and if we may at some point trade schematics about, uh, you know, <laughs> world-dominating robots, I do believe I could make some upgrades that would be quite favorable to the machine that you call a conspiracy bot. I, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I've always thought that Stewie Griffin and conspiracy bot would get along swimmingly. Yeah, swimmingly, that's a good word for that. Uh, hi, guys. Love the show. Uh, gotta say, now that you're uh, discussion on Ray Palmer, you need to do an episode on the Shaver mystery and probably mentioned how Ray Palmer became the Atom. Uh, yeah. Gotta say, again, love the show, hate Seabot. Um, <laughs> I, for one, welcome our robot overlords, but Seabot uh, running on Windows 3.1, I just don't find him that intimidating. <laughs> you probably ought to send him over to the Super Transmission podcast. They suck, so uh, he'll fit right in. Uh, y'all have a good day, Seabot. You suck. In in Cbot's oh in Cbot's defense, it's Windows three point one one. We we bumped it. We bumped it up. Oh my god, that's hilarious! And we also took hey Toby, a, shots were fired. If you're they listening, they were. Uh, we also took him from a Sound Blaster sixteen to a Sound Blaster thirty two. Mm. So uh, he's been upgraded. Right, one uh, more? Yeah, let's do one more. We got time. Where do we go here? Hey, this is Abron. Uh I just joined Hysteria Nation. Well done. Uh, you're smart. So that's, it's been pretty great, but I'm calling because I want to apologize to Seabot just a little. C-Bot, Not a good idea. you suck, but I said that you should be moved to uh, the, the Secret Transmission podcast, oh. and that's kind of harsh. They <laughs> suck, but, man, you don't suck as much as they do. That, that's, oh. Look, man, I, I'm sorry, and I want to congratulate you on uh, the move over to... Windows ME hardware. Um, no, it's not Windows I know ME. it's called Mistake Edition, and that's appropriate for you, Seabot, but I, again, I, I just feel like you're not so bad that you should be on the Secret Transmission podcast. You suck still, though. You suck. Um, really happy with the show otherwise. Uh, man, you guys are great. Hey, Brent, I get the idea that he doesn't like that other podcast. Uh, I tell you what, I, I like Secret Transmission Podcast. I like Toby. I like the whole gang. Assistant Ray? He's a big fan of that show. Well, I, I, was, I was wondering if that is Assistant Ray. Guess not. <laughs> All right. Well, again, Nation, if you want to get your voice heard on this show, send us a voicemail, much like those, 773-669-7277. Yes, and uh, you don't even have to say if you hate another show. You can just talk. You can just talk. Talk to you We don't care. It's fine. And if you forget any of that, just go to hysteria51.com. It's not dot .edu, unfortunately. We're not should a, be. We're not an educational experience. And it's not dot .gov, because we're not in big government's pocket. DARPA. You know, that's just throw those words in. I would in. take DARPA. Oh, 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 harp, I, DARPA. Like, if we DARPA, get a dot harp, DARPA, DIA, harp, DARPA, I would take that. Harpa DARP. <laughs> I don't even know what that meant. <laughs> Tarp and Harpa. Yeah, with that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bud. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it?
Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. Or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hello, everyone. I'm Danny Pellegrino. I'm Jenna Brister. And we are back for season two of a very merry, iconic podcast. We're going to be diving into your favorite holiday movies, recapping them, and going on a few tangents. Yes, and it's the end of the world as we know it. So why not close out 2020 with a bunch of episodes of Holiday Recap with us? So we hope Mm -hmm. everyone grabs a cup of eggnog. And a fistful of candy. Cook that bird in the oven. Doritos. We don't care what you're into. Just join us. Grab your bed wine. Grab your couch cocoa. We're getting lit on the holiday movies. We'll be doing 10 recap episodes So subscribe to A Very Merry Iconic Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and find us on social media at A Very Merry Iconic Podcast on Instagram and we'll have all the updates there. ACAST ACAST, 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 